Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is episode number 24, and I'm your host, Erica Pierce, joined as always by Eric Trexler. How you doing, Eric? Doing great, Erica. I always love when we have journalists and, and personnel from the media involved. So me too. You know, in my next life, I want to actually be a journalist. I'm fascinated by that life. So um, we're excited to have Jason Miller from the Federal News Network with us this week. Hi, Jason. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Jason, I'm just just going to say I'm a huge fan of Ask the CIO and, and some of the reporting you do. So uh, full disclaimer to our audience up front. <laughs> Well, I'm sure most people that are listening have probably read a lot of the things that you do. Um, I also am a fan of the Ask the CEO and your reporter's notebook. So um, excited to talk to you today. And we just we have a simple topic, and that is just the state of government cybersecurity. <laughs> so we're excited just to get your take on a couple of, uh, of exciting things and crazy things that are happening um, in, the, uh, in, in, in the area of government cybersecurity. So let's get started. Let's get to the point. So, Eric, I'm going right. to let you kick it off. You always have lots of good questions. Oh, boy, where do I go? So, you know, once again, back to the journalism component. You know, when I look at the the famous journalists of our time that are really looking at this type of uh, you know, cybersecurity in general, I, I put you up there with Brian Krebs, David Sanger, who wrote The Perfect Weapon, Ted Koppel. I, I think you come at it from a, a dispassionate perspective or or a less passionate perspective. Right. When, when we talk to our government contacts, they they're very passionate about what they're doing, which is awesome. But they see the world in their way. When you come at it from a vendor perspective, exact same thing. We see the world in our from our lens. I think you probably have an amazing perspective. I know as I I listen to your interviews and I and I read your write ups, you're 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 somewhat removed and can take a a, a uh, I don't know a perspective agnostic approach almost Jason. So with that said, how are we doing? Where are we? Easy question <laughs> to start with, huh? Yeah, <laughs> long preamble, but let's do it. So one of the things that that we like to talk about when we talk about what we do in, in the Federal News Network, and and this has kind of been my theory about the coverage of the federal government for the last 20 plus years is we want to look at it from from the three P's of government, right? Policy, programs, and people. And from that perspective, that allows you to be dispassionate to a certain extent and not get involved. I mean, let's let's be clear. I, I love what I do. I mean, I'm I'm one of those people who looks forward to Monday mornings, who looks forward to getting up and meeting the next people, doing the next story, talking about the next policy. So that I kind of nerd out that way. But um, but at the same time, we don't get into the bits and the bites and we don't deal with the politics side. You know, whatever the policy is, that's the policy of that administration, of that Congress, of that lawmaker. And, and I think that helps us kind of really focus on who our audience is, which is federal employees and contractors. Now, that being said, where are we? What are we doing? How are we doing? You know, I would tell you that the government actually gets a, gets a pretty bad rap. They, they, they're, they're much better, much more secure than people think. And I, I can point to, to two reasons why or two, two examples. The, the first one is a pretty easy one, one we've talked about maybe uh, many times over the last few years. But when the WannaCry virus, you know, really infected 300,000 computers, 600,000 computers across the entire 
entire uh, world, and I think it was 2017, uh, the, the government wasn't affected at all. And that goes back to, if you will, I did some reporting on this, and, and the question, that the answer that came up was, the government made a decision to get off, I think it was Windows XP, back in 2014, 2015 timeframe, and that's what WannaCry really got into. Now, I, I will fully admit, I am not a cyber expert, so you'll forgive me if I'm kind of conflating two things here, but, but th that type of example shows that the government's not this behind the scenes, old technology, still living in the client server environment. There are definitely good things that are happening specifically around cybersecurity. And, and, and the second one I'll just point to is, I know the Office of Personnel Management gets a really bad rap for the big breach that happened in 2014, 21 million, uh, the date of 21 million feds and retirees were lost, stolen potentially by the Chinese. Uh, but, but what people don't get now is how, how far OPM has come. And I think it's a testament to not just those folks at OPM, but really to where the government has come as a whole when it comes to the state of cybersecurity. So my long wind answer for your long winded question. <laughs> so better we're than we think. We're not there yet, but we're making progress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's like a good GAO report, right? Make the joke, right? Progress made, more progress needed. But I, I think there are, are better pockets of, of success in the government and that they don't get enough credit for. And, and you know, I know there's a lot of frustration and, and things are never perfect, but the state of cybersecurity in the government, I would tell you, is fairly strong. Yeah, no, I, in my travels, I meet with a lot of executives on the government side. We meet, meet with people on the Hill, meet with, meet with the actual workers getting the work done, meet with contractors. And I'll tell you one thing I noticed, the, the passion, the focus on mission, across the government is, is amazing. Like people want to do good things. Sometimes the process or system gets in the way, but they really want to do the right things and, and, and they try hard. And I think that's one of the reasons we love covering what we do is because you get to meet the people and get to understand what they're trying to do. My wife always kind of makes fun of me and says, well, you're an apologist or you're, you know, whenever someone says, oh, that government, I'm always quick to be like, well, do you mean the Congress or do you mean the government? And a lot of times what you find is, oh, yeah, yeah, that, those people on Capitol Hill, the Congress. And uh, so, so I think you're right, Eric, that the, uh, uh, the folks in the agencies and the folks that, that are working these problems, they, they care a lot and they, they, they want to do the right thing. Um, and many times they are doing the right thing and we just don't get a chance to know about it enough. Agreed. I mean, nobody comes to work saying, oh, I want to do a really crappy job today. Well, we and, hope not. <laughs> okay. Maybe a few people. <laughs> uh, but, but across the board, you know, the system can slow them down. It can get in the way. It can inhibit their ability to get the job done. But they really do care about the mission of serving the people. So I'll ask you both this. Um, I actually I read an article this week that um, that was talking about government cybersecurity and really focused on the fact that one of the challenges has been the lack of a sense of urgency in terms of um, moving some of the initiatives forward. Do you guys see or think that tide is changing where, you know, there, the need in terms of we've got to you know keep up with what's happening on, on the other side and, and invoking more and, and utilizing more cutting edge technologies, things like that? Do we do you think? Um, that government is starting to accelerate in that area as well. Jason? I would tell you that, that there is a sense of urgency and there has been a sense of urgency since uh, I go back to 2006 when the VA, when, when the VA lost the date of 26 million veterans, mm -hmm. that's when you really saw the, the huge ramp up. Now, are there ebbs and flows? Absolutely. Are there pockets that, that, you know, I can't believe we're still doing this. Yes, of course. And are there policies and laws that, that stand in the way? 
Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think you can point to that effort, that that incident, and then the OPM hack is two of the kind of big incidents that have pushed this sense of urgency. And you, you continue to see it with this administration. Uh, they released the high value asset update policy. Agencies are really being pushed toward protect what's the most critical assets. Stop trying to protect everything. And I think that message is starting to come across. And you're also seeing it with updates to, for instance, the trusted internet connection, the tech policy. Mm-hmm. It, they're, they're recognizing that the cloud, we can't, we always have to talk about the cloud. The cloud is is now part of everyday life for agencies. So how do we make, ensure that, that the data, the systems is protected, but not have this arduous uh, policy and, and requirements that are that are pushed on agencies that that provide latency and problems and challenges that maybe aren't needed or aren't providing the value that they thought they once were. So I, I, I would argue that whoever wrote that article maybe doesn't understand the topic. No, I'm, okay. I'm definitely seeing more of a focus on risk and understanding risk. I was moderating a panel uh, at RSA last week and and the um, it was cyber risk framework and, and aligning it to agency mission and a lot of the discussion was around how do we prioritize right you can't you can't do everything at once but we're, we're seeing that you, you've got to remember the government is like a very large super tanker it doesn't turn overnight i mean it takes time to make that turn but when it does it moves very quickly jason your example of of windows getting off of windows 7 um, or when, and, and Windows XP, you know, moving moving to Windows 10 in the DoD. I mean, that was a massive effort that they're still working on, but they've made so much pro- process progress. Excuse me, uh, but that took that took several years. You've got to remember, this is the largest enterprise in the world. Right. One of the things I'll just also highlight is. There are. Remember, when we talk about the government, I think it's kind of unfair just to kind of put everybody in the same bag. Uh, you, you, there are so many pockets. I mean, if you think about, let's let me offer you an example. The State Department was doing continuous monitoring or continuous diagnostics and mitigation, whatever we're calling it now, back in you know 2006, 2007 timeframe. They were giving scoreboards. They were offering this. You have great pockets at other agencies that have set up security operations centers that are do, giving the 24 by 7. So this idea that they're not doing certain things or there's not this sense of urgency, I think, is is a little bit of a misnomer. Now, are there pockets? Sure. Are are there problems at agencies that are head scratchers? Yeah. But I think, generally speaking, the the government has come around to to definitely take this idea of cybersecurity, data, PII, uh, much more – much more seriously. And then they're doing a, a pretty good job. Not perfect, but pretty good job. Now, we still have things like workforce challenges, Erica. <laughs> I was getting ready to I mean, just to say that. Yep. That's a problem, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when we hire somebody from government, especially out of the military, you're, you're paying them two, three times what they were making in, in, the, in, the, in the public sector, especially the military. If you hire enlist, that's a real problem. We've got to find a way to incentivize these cyber professionals to come into the government, whether it's through the military, civilian agencies, or how, however it may be, and, and want to serve. Right? There just aren't enough people, as we've talked about at length, week after week. 
Yeah. And Jason, I know this has been an issue that you've covered. So what are your thoughts there? I mean, what can really be done to make sure that the cyber workforce within government is strengthened? I mean, there's been some recent initiatives that we've seen with the, um, you know, the cyber workforce um, sort of academy that they were rolling out, OMB was rolling out. Um, and it looks like they had good results. I was actually shocked that they only had 1500 applicants. Was that, does that seem like a low or high number to you guys? For, for me, I thought it was a pretty decent number. Okay. Uh, especially with an administration that the federal employees are a little hesitant to trust. True. And I think that when they, they roll out a, a reskilling academy, what's that really mean? And, 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 you know, I think there's a, it's a brand new initiative. So 1500, I don't know, to me, I thought that was a pretty decent number. I, I was, I wasn't shocked, but I wasn't like, underwhelmed either. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a good start. Yeah. It's a good no, start and it's a great it. initiative. I mean, I think it's I that know. outside it's the box thinking, which is what we need. Right. So. And I'm an optimist on those things. So who knows? <laughs> you know, one of, one of the areas I think they can make some progress, the government is massive, right? They have clusters where you look at like Huntsville and some of the work in Kansas city. I mean, there are regional centers where the government is very strong and you have a lot of career movement when you join the government. These jobs can be done from many locations. So as far as retraining, reskilling the workforce, training new people in areas where, let's say I live in Kansas and I don't want to move to D.C. or I don't want to move somewhere else. There are government jobs that can be performed there in cybersecurity where the entire country can come together and, and, and actually, you know, benefit everybody benefit, but, but government jobs. So there are things we can do. And, and um, I'm hoping that we, we make a lot more progress over the next couple of years. I think the, the two other things that I would also highlight is the incentive for getting people into cybersecurity is tough. I mean, I have two teenage kids uh, and, and, you know, my daughter is one of those people who knows math, knows science. She's the perfect STEM candidate. And I've said to her, oh, you should look at computers. No, I'm not interested. Oh, and I don't, I'm not sure the government needs to do something about that. But I think that there are people who have that, that, that you have to, the government has a challenge and always has a challenge of promoting themselves, of getting out and saying, here's all the cool things we do and really being more aggressive. I think you see some of that from the National Security Agency because they kind of have to. They're excellent but, at it. But the Commerce Department or the Interior Department or you know, pick, pick your agency justice. They do some cool things too, but they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what, when you go back to the beginning of our conversation, one of our roles as journalists and one of the things we do as, as a business to business, uh, uh, you know, news organization is try to get that word out, try to uh, educate the, the, the agencies, but also the contractors. And then you hope it kind of trickles down out into the general public. But, you know, if they talked about the good news and all the work that they did, I think that would help recruit people. And then the other thing is, is money. I mean, if, if, you know, somebody can spend more money, you know, double your salary or triple your salary, you know, maybe the government's got to step back and say for certain or for professions, we need to see what the market is and spend the money on at the, at the market levels. And there's been some push to do that. Direct hire authority, uh, DHS has offered um, some, incentives like a signing bonus or a retention bonus. But listen, I mean, you know, if you can go to a big company and get paid, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year because you have a certain set of cyber skills, the government just can't compete. And I think that's a mistake that they think they can't compete, that Congress has to give them the tools to compete because because mission and, and the, the feeling of doing good will only get you so far. 
And at some point, they're they you know as a consumer of these capabilities, these products, these services, they're they're covering the salaries anyway, right? The salaries are being paid. They're being paid by companies that are in many cases making money. They're profitable, so they have to pay their employees. Mm-hmm. So the the money is being spent. It's just being outsourced in in, in some cases. Right. And but that's easier because it's I can tell you I'm paying that contractor money and how they spend their money is their problem. But if it's, quote unquote, taxpayer money that's being spent, I think that that's the harder sell. But but I think the opposite is, well, listen, if you don't want OPM hacks to happen again, if you don't want VA to lose data again, if you don't want all these, you know, consistent problems that pop up, we we need to pay what the market's, you know, basically asking for. Mm -hmm. So. I, I, listen, I'm not all, I'm a journalist for goodness sake. I'm not all about the money, <laughs> but, but you know, let's, let's call it like it is. You, you got, there's a market and let's the government's got to meet what the market is. They can't come under all the time. Well, in, in fairness, a lot of people in cybersecurity are really focused on solving the problem. They really care about the problem. When, when I meet with government customers across the board, I mean, they care about mission. They care about what the business of that agency that they represent or a service branch or whatever is, they are there in, in almost all cases because of something higher than money. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that that is the overarching thing. And that's where it gets back to my initial point of getting agencies to talk about the cool work they do. Well, and that's what I was going to yeah. say. I think that's such a great point, uh, Jason, is that as part, I've never really thought about that as being part of the work of as a journalist, that you're actually elevating and sh- kind of showcasing the work that's happening um, behind the scenes that, you know, they're just for whatever reason aren't able to talk about. And that could have the maybe unintended consequence of, um, you know, having, having, um, attracting more folks in, into the, you know, the government just to do that type of cool work. <laughs> Well, they, they do. Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What's interesting is, is to get them to talk about it is so difficult. It's not like we're undercovering doing investigations. Right. It's like I, I wrote a story the other day. I'll give you a perfect example. An agency was doing a um, cyber escape room, mm-hmm. right? I thought that I read was a that. fascinating idea to, to train employees about how to deal with cybersecurity. And this is, a, and you couldn't quite tell how much, which employees, but, but even if it's all employees, I gave them, hey, this is a novel approach. This is something different. They're trying something new. They called me up and said, like, well, you got these things wrong. I was like, well, this is a good news story. Right, so right. God, yeah, because it's a really I'm cool thing that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but like they were so defensive. And I said to the person on the phone, I was like, I was like, I- I'm sorry I made the mistakes. I'll fix them. But you sound really defensive. She's like, well, I, I just want to, you know, we had some things. And I'm like, I get it. I got it. I got it. You know, it kind of flows downhill to me. So... But, but the government doesn't really have marketing departments, right? So, so yeah. you're looking at this is an amazing story we're getting out to people. Yeah, right. And, and ideas that other agencies could read that story and go, oh, we could I do could do a cyber yep. room. I could beg, borrow, steal that idea because I don't know. I, I'd argue there's no new ideas out there. We just re- recircle or recycle them. I mean, you see that in the movies all the time. I mean, all right, Star is Born. How many times has that been remade? <laughs> Sorry, I went down the other path. Well, Jason, this has been fascinating. So we don't usually do this, but I do have a, um, a total off the record question for you because I'll let our viewers I, know. I, I don't know off the record on a podcast, <laughs> so. especially well, when we're well, recording just, it. Well, just a behind the scenes, I should say insight, not off the record. But um, so I'll let our listeners know we actually record by Skype. So the three of us can see each other um, when we record. So I'm curious, Jason, the record that you have framed behind you. What's the backstory there? Are you a <laughs> sort of platinum record for? band that you have that we don't know about? <laughs> uh, 
Even better. So um, <laughs> my wife and I, it was our 20th anniversary this year. And the present that she gave me for the house, I should say, is uh, she got a record that was framed. And it was um, the, the, the on one. I have to even look at it now. But it's the song to For Our First Dance, which is Elvis. I can't help but fall in love with you. And it's also um, a couple other songs that kind of are meaningful in our in our time together. Like uh, we we met at the Pink Floyd show back in 92. Um, what well, we had met before, but it's a long story. Uh, we walked down the aisle to the U2 song one. Oh. And and uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, she, I think she had a couple others like, uh, you know, part of our family. We are family from the Pointer Sisters. And um, uh, what's the last one? Um, just the way you are, Billy Joel, because, you know, kind of as you know, if you're if you you're always silly with your with your partner. So. Well, that is amazing. <laughs> that is a, I love a, that. a very impressive gift. Wow. Um, okay. I just yeah. had to ask. I, I was Don't, looking at it no. while we're talking and I'm like, you don't usually see a, a actual frame record anymore in someone's, <laughs> you know, right. place. So. And else, <laughs> yeah. She's working from home today, so I'll let her know that you guys saw it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Jason, that was a great story. And, and the stories you tell, you know, the, the re- reading the podcast, just keep doing it. Well, thank you. You do great work. Love listening to it on my drive in or home at night. Love reading your articles. So just keep telling stories for yeah, us. Keep doing the, the good, the good work. <laughs> thank you all very much. It's, it's, uh, it's my, not easy. Oh. We know. <laughs> you know, if the government would just want to tell those good news stories, we're, we'd love to be able to listen and retell them. So uh, I'll leave it there. But thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Eric. And thanks to all the listeners. Please continue to tune in each week and we will always keep it to the point. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 